0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. You ready for the word today? We've had a cracker of a a 9am service. Presence of God is here. Miracles are breaking out. And I don't know about you, but I'm just hungry for Jesus. When I preach, I'm not preaching something that I'm not trying to grow in and embrace in my own life. And uh, Jerry Solomon is looking very handsome down the front row. He's single, by the way. And um, this man served me so well last weekend and looked after me. He served God so well. He's on our team. I just honour you, Jerry. You're a great man And uh, yeah. Hey, why don't we lift our hands? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace, your goodness, your kindness. We thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for a beautiful day outside and we thank you, oh God, for your glory in your house. God, we come to you. Lord, with childlike faith, we don't come to You knowing it all. We come to You wanting to know who knows it all, and that's You. And Lord, I just pray today, would You stir our hunger? Would You renew our minds? Would You bring us closer to You, Father? We honour You, we love You, and we thank You, O God, not only for what You're doing, but for what You're about to do. So come, Holy Spirit, quicken this Word to our minds and hearts, and Jesus, be glorified in this place. Be glorified through the preaching of the gospel and the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and uh, we're going to read from verse 21 to 26. Two weeks ago, I preached on the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 12. I talked about being appointed and anointed and how God doesn't appoint you to something and leave out the anointing that you need to fulfil that appointment. Uh, As you read on into the passage, um, Paul begins to talk about one body, many members, but there's something specifically in in these verses that I'm about to bring to you that's critical for us to really understand as a church that I believe the Lord wants us to imbibe of, grow in and practise. Verse 21 to 26 says this, "'The eye cannot say to the hand, "'I have no need of you, "'nor again the head to the feet, "'I have no need of you.'" On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it that there may be no division, disunity in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. I want to speak to you today on the theme, a culture of honour. A culture of honour. I believe that this is on God's heart right now, not only for us as uh, Numa Church, Numa Globally, but I believe it's a message that is critical for the body of Christ to understand. Some of you would have heard or read books about honour and approached it only in the dimension of honouring leadership. I believe the Lord wants to expand our understanding of how a culture of honour needs to permeate 360 degrees in how we relate to each other and how we conduct ourselves when it comes not just to ministry, but when it comes to uh, uh, each other and relationships in the kingdom of God. Now, the truth is within our culture, the default of Australian culture is not honour. It's the opposite. It's the tall poppy syndrome. When someone maybe does something good or achieves something, we somehow have an insecurity in in the psyche of, of Australia I don't know whether it's, it definitely is spiritual. I don't know whether it was there from sort of our colonisation and the whole convict mindset or mentality. But we have this attitude of dishonour that pulls people down and tries to sort of equalise and bring them down to our level as if pulling people down sort of makes them, you know, more honourable. And it is the total opposite antithesis of the spirit of the kingdom of God and how you and I are to conduct ourselves relationally. And so if we are going to learn what honor is, we are not going to learn what honor is from the world. We've got to get God's perspective. That means we need to engage in repentance. Jesus said in Matthew 4:17, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Meaning that unless there is a change of mind, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, unless there's a change of thinking, a renewal of your mind, you're not going to be able to imbibe of the spirit of the kingdom and actually conduct yourself effectively in the kingdom without a transformed mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal. Of your mind. Now, when we speak about honor, we're speaking about biblically to esteem someone with respect because of who they are and what they carry. Now, when I go and travel and minister, it's really interesting. I can preach the same message uh, to two different churches, and two different outcomes, two different fruit, two different results will take place. One church you go to, there's miracles popping out like popcorn. There's there's a move of God. Lives are changed and people encounter God in such a powerful way. The Word goes deep into people's souls. They go out and that Word produces 30, 40, 60, 80, 100 fold blessing in their life. You preach the same message in another environment and it falls flat, nothing happens. It doesn't matter how you preach it. And there's nothing wrong with the Word. The issue and the difference in the fruitfulness comes back to the condition of the soil of people's hearts and the honour or dishonour they have towards the Word. And so this Word is going forth today. And so you can be in the same service at 11am service, in the same section of the church, maybe even in the same row, and yet produce two different types of fruit in your life. And the issue hasn't got to do with the Word of God. The Word of God inherent within it has the seed, the sperma of God to conceive in your spirit that which God intends. The Bible says, God says, my word shall not return to me void. It will accomplish that which I send it out to perform. So the issue in whether or not the Word produces fruit in your life is not just based upon how the preacher ministers it. It's not based upon what is actually being said when it comes to the Word of God. It's actually... About the cultivation of honor in our hearts to receive the seed in good soil so that soil can produce a harvest of righteousness in our lives. You have as much responsibility for your fruitfulness as the minister in delivering the word and discipling you with the word in your life. So we've got to understand that there is a partnership in our hearts that we bring in receiving of the grace on somebody else's life. The reason we honour people from a biblical perspective is to value and esteem what God values and esteems. And what does God value? Amongst many things, two key things, people and presence. Why people? Because we, you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. And God honours people, even when you and I didn't deserve salvation, even when you and I deserved the penalty of death for our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Christ died for us and loves us and calls us into relationship with Him, gives us the free gift of eternal life that we would be reconciled back to Him. When you and I didn't deserve honour, God honoured us by giving us His one and only Son. And so as God honours His image bearers, all of creation, so too you and I are to look at each other through the lens of the kingdom, through the lens of the Father's eyes and realise every being and person on the planet deserves the attitude and esteem and value of honour. As we honour each other and as we conduct ourselves and align ourselves with this principle of the kingdom, then we get to steward and honour the presence of God in His body. And if we don't carry a culture of honour in the life of the church or in our hearts, we will not see the fullness of the manifest presence of God in our meetings, in our services, in our ministries to the effect that we will if we honour each other. I was thinking about the seven kingdom culture values that we have. If you don't know what they are, you would have bumped into them even in this service today. Things like prayer fuels power. God's Word is our foundation. Miracles are normal. Church is a covenant family. All of these things, and if you want to know more, just ask any one of our team. They know what they are. Or or just hang around for a, a little bit longer than even a few minutes and you'll bump into, because our values here, whilst not perfect, are not aspirational, but they are applicable to shaping how we think, how we conduct ourselves and how we live our lives. And I was thinking about these seven kingdom culture values and how all of these values won't work without a culture of honour. Honour is actually the thing, the plumb line that everything comes into alignment with because if we don't honour intimacy with Jesus, why are we going to embrace the value of prayer fuels power? If we don't honour the authority or the truth of God's Word, why should God's Word be our foundation? Shaping and moulding and informing how we live our lives. Honour the esteeming and valuing of what God values has everything to do with the fruitfulness and the health and the culture of our church. Honour is a core value in the Kingdom of God. You read in Deuteronomy chapter 5 where even in the Ten Commandments, all Ten Commandments are brought together by this heart of honour for God and even one of the commandments, honour your father and mother that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. There is this understanding and this recognition honouring God and honouring parents in the context of family brings a blessing into your life. The Bible goes on, 1 Samuel 2.30, God says, those who honour me, I will honour. Romans 12.10, outdo one another in showing honour. So basically God is giving you and I permission to turn uh, showing honour to each other into a competition. (laughs) We're literally to outdo, go to great lengths to outdo one another in showing honour to each other. That is a totally different spirit to the world that you and I live in. The world that you and I live in is all about only giving honour if that honour is reciprocated. I mean, Jesus said, you know, you know don't, don't give yourself a golf clap just because you love people who love you, even Gentiles, unbelievers do that. He said, but love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. So the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. All right, and so the Bible is calling us not to simply celebrate going the first mile with people, but go the second mile. We are a part of a second mile kingdom. We are a second mile church in how we conduct ourselves, in how we honour each other, in how we honour God, and how we honour leadership. Romans 13, seven says give honour to whom honour is owed. And then 1 Peter 2, 17 tells us where honour is owed. Honour everyone. So everyone gets a seat at the table. It's 360 degrees. Much of the church has been taught about honouring authority, honouring leadership. Is there a precedent for that? Of course, I'll share a verse in a moment that speaks to that. But the heart of God is to actually approach honour from a 360 degree perspective. God does not look at honour from a hierarchical perspective. All right. He looks at it from an image-bearer perspective. Uh, The Bible does speak to in 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the leaders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. And and so in a culture of tall poppy syndrome, in a culture of dishonour, particularly when it comes to spiritual authority and otherwise, it's so important that we understand that if we're going to receive of the grace in a leader's life or in someone's life, we're to come with a heart that opens up our heart to receive of that. If you come here today with a bless me if you can attitude, you won't receive much today. If you come with a critical, judgmental spirit to critique you know, what's happening and then have roast pasta for lunch at the end of the service, you may not receive much. I don't know about you, but when I, when I'm in an atmosphere, environment like this, I open up my heart. I wanna lean in. I wanna grow. I wanna receive. I don't come with a critical spirit. Why? Be- because I, I understand I, I can't receive something if I don't honor it. All right? And I think we as a church are to be countercultural to the spirit of the world. We're to approach how we do relationship, how we do life in a different mode and a different pattern to how the world operates. And a culture of honor is best created in the context of church as family, not the context of church as an organisation. This is really important. And it's challenging but necessary in a growing church. As a church grows and as it scales and as it plants and as it gets bigger and all that sort of thing, we also need to keep that sense of covenant family at the forefront of what we do and how we operate. Even, it's interesting in Ephesians 6, when the Apostle Paul is quoting Deuteronomy 5 about the Ten Commandments, he positions honour in the context of family. Honour your father and mother, so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. It's interesting, the posture and attitude of honour is conducted within the context of family. And then the Bible tells us in Malachi 1.6 where God says, if I am your father, using a family uh, image and, 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 and uh, name and metaphor, if I am your father, your heavenly father, where is my honour, says the Lord of hosts. So God loves us as a heavenly father and you and I are adopted in to the family of God by the Spirit of God and so when you and I understand honour in the context of family, it takes on a substance, a, a momentum, an impact than it does if we tri- uh, simply uh, approach each other based upon transactional relationships. What can you do for me? What can I do for you? Oh no, that's not how a family works. Try that with your kids for five minutes and see how that works. It doesn't work like that. I remember I went and spoke at Minneson years ago at a vineyard church in New South Wales and I was so taken back and impressed by the emotional maturity in the church, the spiritual maturity of how they related to each other. And, and I thought, you know, you can sort of fake it till you make it in, on, a, on a weekend's ministry And maybe the pastor just put them all up to this. But by the end of the weekend, I was convinced I need to sit down with the pastor and get him to disciple me on how this works. It was a church of maybe six, seven hundred. And I said to the pastor over uh, Sunday night dinner, I said, what's in the water here? What are you drinking? Because I said, this is amazing. I don't see this everywhere. And he he asked me, what was I seeing? And I'm observing the, the maturity from the youngest to the oldest, the way that people interacted with each other, the sense of family, not the sense of transactional relationships he says oh that's easy my wife and I lead the church as a spiritual mum and dad not as a CEO leading a company and immediately I'm like thank you Jesus put that in the back pocket and and, and take that away and learn what it means to actually build church as family rather than a company or simply approaching it organisationally When we lead the church, when a church is led with a CEO mentality, it reproduces employees in relationship with employers, not putting down the fact that some of you are CEOs and you are in work environments where you work very hard to create a culture of family. I get that, I know that, but let's be honest, by and large, that's not what you see in the corporate sector. By and large, it's more principle-centred and it's more, you do what I ask you to do. It's very hierarchical. And if you don't, you don't have a job, right? In the kingdom of God and in the family of God, when a church is led by a spiritual father and mother along with a team that operates like family, it reproduces spiritual sons and daughters, not hirelings or employees or employers, And by the way, spiritual parenting and discipleship is not based upon age. It's based upon spirit and anointing, accurately perceiving and identifying the call, the grace that is upon someone's life. I remember in our first church that we planted, 27 years of age, a couple in their 60s came for marriage advice. I'm like, I need marriage advice because I've been married five minutes. What am I gonna say? So I called my dad, 40 years experience. I'm like, dad... Tell me, what or how do I coach these people? They were coming to me not out of simply, well, we've got so many more years experience than you, but out of an honour and respect for the grace that was upon my life. And we were able to help them and navigate that by God's grace because there was a heart of honour to receive of the grace in somebody else's life. I think one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul instructed Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 that anyone who desires to the office or aspires to the office of overseer or leader must be able to lead and manage their family well. In other words, there must be spiritual maturity and honour in the family home if there is gonna be healthy, honourable leadership in the life of the church. Why? As goes the family, so goes the church. And that's why our family, my wife and I, our three kids, we're not perfect, got a long way to go, but there is an underlying foundational culture of honour, both for God's presence, God's Word, and for each other that allows a healthy foundation for there not to be toxicity in the life of the church, even though we all bring our stuff with us, we also are conducting ourselves in a way where we're growing in how we honour each other that empowers free sons and daughters of the Most High God to live empowered, not controlled, to live honourable, not dishonoured, to actually fulfil calling and destiny, not simply be confined or 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 moulded into the image of just the leader, but actually grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm feeling good about where this is going. If you can cultivate a culture of honour with yourself in soberly assessing the measure of grace and faith God has given to you, which Paul instructs in in, uh, Romans 12, let alone grow that in the context of family, marriage, then your workplace, you will make a positive impact. How you conduct yourself in relationships will become far healthier. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where things, when things go wrong, we look for someone to blame. It's someone else's fault. It's someone else's issue. That's not new. When uh, Adam and Eve ate of the tree, disobeyed God. Uh, uh, Adam blamed Eve, Eve bl- blamed Satan and Satan now rigger around like a snake for the rest of his life and, uh, and, and everyone wants to blame and so a lot of people what they do is when things go pear-shaped or they're not getting the sort of results that they are believing for, they try and change symptoms rather than dealing with root issues. If there's no root issues that are actually being changed or transformed in the renewal of our mind, what will happen is, is that we will change this, change that, change the other, but still bump into the same issues because at the very core of our hearts, the root issues aren't being dealt with. But when a culture of honour is beginning to be established in our own life towards God and towards others, it's amazing how it changes the symptoms of our world around us. You see, honour acknowledges who people are according to their God-given identity and calling. And if that's true, which it is, and the Bible in verse 13 of the same chapter says that we were all made to drink of one spirit. Every believer in this room, if you're a, a follower of Christ, a believer, you are born of the spirit of God, No matter what race, nationality or gender, Paul said, whether you're Greek, Gentile, slave, Jew or free, you've been made to drink of one Spirit. So if you are a believer, your Spirit has been regenerated. You've been born again, born anew. Your Spirit is now made alive with Christ. You are seated with Him spiritually in heavenly places. So because of that, you've received a measure of grace You've received a measure of faith that not only blesses you and benefits you, but becomes a blessing to benefit others. And as we accurately acknowledge people according to their identity in Christ and their calling and gifting, we open ourselves up to receive the full measure of grace that is at work in their life. This is what the Jews in Uh, Jesus' day in Nazareth did not understand. They did not acknowledge it. In Luke chapter four, when Jesus is there in the synagogue and he's reading out his job description, the Messiah's job description in Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to open the prison to those who are bound and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. When he read out that job description, which was his, a prophecy about him. And he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Bible says the immediate response was one of wonder and one of amazement. And then because of over familiarity with who Jesus was, this was the response isn't this Mary and Joseph's son? I mean, who does this guy think he is? He's just read out the prophet Isaiah and said, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, who does this guy think he's Talk about where the tall poppy syndrome started, right? Way back there in the synagogue. And the Bible says that Jesus said, a prophet is without honour in his own hometown, And then the Bible goes on to say, Jesus could not do many mighty miracles there in Nazareth. Why? Because unbelief and dishonour go hand in hand. What you don't honour, you don't have faith for. And where there is no faith, there can be no miraculous. And the Bible says that Jesus couldn't do mighty miracles there except heal a few sick people. Most of the modern church would be happy for a few healings. But we're not, we're contending for the fullness of everything that the Bible says is accessible and available to us today. And so if we're going to access that and miracles are going to be normal and the fullness of the kingdom on earth is going to manifest in our midst and in our lives, we need to understand it goes through the pipeline of honour. How we honour people, how we honour each other has everything to do with the power of the manifest presence of God in our lives. What did Jesus say? Matthew ten forty one: The one who receives a prophet, because they are a prophet, they'll receive their reward. What's their reward? Grace to see and to hear what God is saying and doing. He who receives a righteous person in the name of a righteous person receives their reward. What's the reward? More righteousness, to live in the fullness of not just spiritually acknowledging I am righteous, but engaging not dutifully, but joyfully in righteous works. Whatever grace is on someone's life and you receive of that in honour, you will receive of the grace at work in in their life. And so receiving people rightly releases a reward to you of God's grace at work in their lives. Don't you see how this changes how you approach people? It's no longer based upon their perceived value to you, but simply because they're made in the image and likeness of God. Because honour shows God's value upon everyone regardless of their perceived value to you. And this is what Paul is addressing In verse 22, he says that that those parts of the body or the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Most people conduct themselves in business, in life, ministry, leadership, relationships. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You look after me. I'll look after you. That's the world system. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not how we conduct, how we do life and relationship at Pneuma Church and in the kingdom of God. And we've got to understand that in the kingdom, as Paul is teaching, prominence, visibility doesn't equal significance in the kingdom of God. Is anyone awake here today? It's good to take a breath every now and then. Every member of the body is needed. Every part. How many of us know your nose is prominent, it's visible. It's not necessarily got the most responsibility for the healthy function of your body. I can't see your brain. Thank you, Jesus. No one's brains are out on display today. That's good. I can't see your brain. I can't see your heart. How many of it's significant? You say it's a simplistic picture, but it's in context of one body, many members the body of Christ. Your brain, your heart has everything to do with the significance of the healthy functioning of your body. Now you might be able to do without your nose for a few days and then go, please go get some cosmetic surgery and let's get that thing fixed up. But you could function to a point. But if you don't have your brain fully operational or your heart or your lungs or your nervous system, you're going to be compromised. So visibility doesn't necessarily mean ultimate significance. In fact, whilst promotion in the Kingdom of God is a beautiful privilege when it comes to leading people, the reality is it's just increased responsibility. It's more demands, more challenges, more issues. And so whilst Paul says to Timothy, he who desires the office of an overseer desires a noble office, The requirements, the responsibility that you carry is far greater to steward your authority, to build people up, not to control them. Paul said, the authority I have isn't to serve me, it's to serve you. The authority that God gives you, the grace that is upon your life is about building people up, empowering people. That's why you should want to be the best that you can be, grow in your gifts, grow in your call, study well at university, do well in your workplace, not for what you can get out of it, but so that you can be a better blessing to people around about you. I've always, all my life, wanted to maximise my growth in God, my learning, my walk with God, not simply so that I may know Him better, but so that I may build others up more effectively. I tell our staff when your ministry is about you, it's self serving. But when your ministry, when you start to serve with others in mind, now you're doing ministry. Ministry isn't microphone platform, whatever, ministry is doing whatever God has called you to do, grace you to do, marketplace, stay at home, mum with three precious kids, scream and snot, everything. Whatever God's called you to do right now, that's your ministry. Are you you coming at that ministry with honour? Are you approaching it from the perspective, it's not about me, but it's about those that I serve? I'm telling you, the fruit will actually speak to the root of what is at the culture and the core of your heart. A culture of honour is not built around, how can you meet my need? A culture of honour is built around, how can I build you up? In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 uh, speaks about, I think it's verse 26, it speaks about when you come together, each one of us is to bring something with us to give away. A lesson, a hymn, a revelation, a gift. What if every time we gather together, life groups, revival services, catch up for a latte, discipleship and church services, what if every time we gathered together, you brought something to give away? Rather than, what am I going to get out of this today? How can I be a blessing to someone? It's as simple as putting 20 bucks, 50 bucks in an envelope, giving it away, looking for someone to bless. It's as simple as coming prayed up to give a word of knowledge to someone, to to, to give a word of prophecy to someone. Maybe if hospitality is your gift, cook something, bake something and look for someone to be a blessing to. Some of you have got vacancies in your workplace and, and, and you bump into someone that is needing work or They fit that sort of, you know, role or whatever it is. It's it's thinking, how can I be a blessing to someone today? Some of you could give an inexpensive car away to someone that may need it. But if we don't honour each other, if we're not in each other's lives, in the community of faith, in the context of family, how will we know? But when we all come with a heart of honour to give something away. I came today to give something away. I reckon it's going all right at the moment. I came to give something away. Why? I've been praying for you all week. I love you guys. I've been reading the Word, studying the Word. I've been leading, making decisions with you in mind, not me in mind, with you in mind. Because my heart is to see the church edified, built up. She's a beautiful bride. It's not the bride of Frankenstein. It's the bride of Christ. And so we should serve it and honour it accordingly. What does that come back to? A culture of honour. You see, a culture of honour is the key to actually staying in unity together. In fact, Paul says that we are to show honour to the part that lacked it, because sometimes in the church, parts of the body do lack it. We're to show honour to parts of the body that lack it so that there may be no division, disunity in the body. And the issue that was happening in the Corinthian uh, church is they had a worldly view of gifts of the Spirit and of what they brought and assumed that because they, A, spoke in tongues, B, moved in the power gifts, that they were more superior than others and therefore should get more honour than others and it was causing this works of the flesh to break out in the church in Corinth and it was causing this competitive spirit which has actually got nothing to do with the spirit of the kingdom of God. Competition, uh, sort of, you know, uh, drawing attention to, to, to honour being only one dimensional, one way has got nothing to do. Jesus said, those who lead among you, those who will be great among you, do not lord their authority over people, but they actually use their authority to empower people. Fundamental difference. I'll be honest, I'll just say, I wish a few politicians would get this revelation. I wish a few pastors and leaders would get this because the spiritual abuse that has often gone on in the church has happened because we've become entitled and we think that our authority is to serve self and control people rather than empower people. Jesus didn't control anyone. He empowered and He was more in demand than ever before. So much so he couldn't even get a rest. The whole village would turn up at these doorstep. Everyone wanted a peace, why? Because everyone wants a king like Jesus. And as we imbibe of a culture of honour of the presence of Jesus and we teach the gospel of Jesus and we practice the spirit of Jesus in our midst, oh, he's so attractive. You want to be around a person like that. You want to be around leadership like that. This is the kingdom of God. This is the church of Jesus Christ. So honour is best seen in how we interact and treat each other. You want to know whether you carry a heart of honor or not? How do you respond when someone else is celebrated and you're not? Has anyone ever been there? I remember, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I'm an impoverished youth pastor. And uh, we're living in a Bible college dormitory and we're saving, scrapping everything we can to buy a house and save for a house. And all of my peers, all of my brothers and sisters in the Lord are all getting blessed with beautiful houses. And they're all inviting us to housewarming parties. I'm like, I'm not going to that one. I'm not going to that one. And then you turn up and you got a smile and you, it's all fake, right? Because inside you've got an attitude. You've got toed. You're offended because you've just, you know, spilling your blood for the kingdom of God, doing your best to scrape a few things together. And here they are, Johnny come lately and God, they shared their miracle story about how God blessed them. And so you're there and the Lord's just looking and putting a finger on that attitude and that issue in your heart, wanting to see whether you carry honour. What did Paul say? When one member is celebrated and honoured, we all honour and celebrate. One member suffers and now everything's going well for you, and the bank account's full, and the marriage is working, relationships are awesome, promotion work, it's all flying. Do you still have time to suffer and mourn with those who are suffering and mourning? That's honour. And I really believe that the Spirit of God is trying to get our attention you, church about how we are honouring Him, because the Honouring each other because the presence of Jesus flows through honour in His body. And if there is something that I am so hungry for that I want to be authentically represented in our family, in this house, it's the manifest presence of God. And I want to honour and esteem what God values and honours and esteems. And that means that as we grow more in Christ's likeness and carry God's heart, the Father's heart, for what He values and honours, two things must become front and centre in how we and in what we honour. It's people made in the image of God and it's the manifest presence of God in our lives. Churches that build a culture of honour Experience not only healthier family relationships, but they experience the tangible, manifest presence and power of God in their midst. And I believe one of the reasons why we've seen what's happened the last nine weeks is because we're not there yet, we're not perfect yet, but there is something in the heart and the soul of this church we're leaning into honor, we're posturing ourselves. Towards each other, we're posturing ourselves towards the presence of God, and you can feel it. People come in here all the time, and say, I can feel God. It feels different. We we're at Bethel a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't speaking there, but I felt more honored than when I go speak at some places. The way they honored has a direct correlation to the way the presence of God is honored. To the point that not only did we receive, but they said, now, can you minister to us? And we're prophesying that God's breaking out. It was a zoo at feeding time, and it's a circus, and awesome. Why? Because of honour. If you, here in the life of the church, past or present, have been dishonoured in any way, in the way you've been spoken to or the way that... By the way, I'll say this. Honouring people doesn't mean you don't have the tough conversations. Some people think honour means you flatter and you don't ever deal with the tough issues. No. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. And one of the things we have tried to grow in in the last four years is if there is a mess made, let's deal with it, have a tough conversation, but let's do it in an honourable way. That's how healthy families conduct themselves. Healthy families don't shove issues under the carpet and try to ignore it. How's that going for you? Because generally... It breeds passive aggressiveness. Oh, I am speaking truth today. I'm telling you. I'm telling, uh, sorry for preaching the gospel. Actually, not sorry. Uh, it, it feels a little bit like, you know, healthy relationships 101. But seriously, we need to know this. We need because we have a dysfunctional, poisonous, dishonoring culture and society, and we think that it's going to be fixed with more medication. Nothing against that, but we think that the world's approach is going to solve problems that only the kingdom of God has answers for in our lives. And you, you, I don't know which church you thought you came to, but this is the potter's house right now and you're on the potter's wheel, right? You're on the potter's wheel. And the potter is using a donkey of a vessel to shape and mould your heart if you carry and open a heart of honour. If you don't honour this, if you, you won't receive nothing. I know it's bad English, but you get my point. <laughs> but, if, you know, if I was you, I'd want to be a part of a place where a spiritual mum and dad and a family say, so you know what, we're going to speak the truth in love to people. Because that is what's going to grow you strong. Help you grow in Christ-likeness.